Let me just say that the majority of the thoughts that we think every single day are the same thoughts as we thought yesterday. In fact, 90% of them are. And the same thoughts leading to the same choices, the same choices leading to the same behaviors, the same behaviors creating the same experiences, and the same experiences producing the same feelings and emotions begins to cause our biology to become very similar, very same. Hi, I'm Vishen Lakiani, founder of Mind Valley, the school for human transformation. You're listening to the Mind Valley podcast, where we'll be bringing you the greatest teachers and thought leaders on the planet to discuss the world's most powerful ideas and personal growth for mind, body, spirit, and work. Now, before we get started, I want you to know my new book is out. It's called The Buddha and the Badass. Firstly, thank you to all of you who supported my first book, The Code of the Extraordinary Mind, and made it become the number one book in the world on Amazon Kindle. And I cannot wait to get The Buddha and the Badass onto your hands. Now, a lot of people are telling me they love the title, and it's kind of mysterious. What is this book about? Well, here's how I put it, and I'm grabbing it off my shelf right now. I have one of the early copies. I'm so excited. So The Buddha is the spiritual master. The badass is the change maker. You have both inside you. Once you awaken both these archetypes, this transforms the way you work, the way you show up in the world, the way you build your empire. So many of us, we either go deep into spirituality or we go deep into work. What if both of these can be unified? What if the great spiritual masters, if they were alive today, were the ones building companies that could change the world, were the ones who were crushing it at their jobs? And what I put forth in this book is the idea that your spirituality can be brought to work. And when you learn to use these elements of your soul, of your mind, of your spirit, of your consciousness, of tapping into altered states of intuition, you can magnify what you do at work. Now, I was a VP in Silicon Valley many years ago, and I was failing at my job until I went deep into meditation. I was surprised at how I was then able to get promoted in a span of four months, I got promoted three times. And what also happened is that I got so good at my job, I was able to hold down two positions. I was VP of sales and VP of business development for a company with 100 employees because I was that productive. My secret was not optimizing email or learning how to get more things done. It was being able to tap into altered states for flow, for creativity, being able to tap into my mind to visualize outcomes I wanted, being able to connect with people at a deep level. Those strategies I went really deep in over the last 20 years, and I share them in the book, The Buddha and the Badass. The book is nine chapters. You do not have to read it in order. You can read it in any order you want. So pick the chapter that resonates with you. Perhaps it's uncovering your soul print, or it's attracting your allies, or it's activating your inner visionary, or it's building a unified brain, or it's how to bend reality. Now, I know you're going to love this book. You can find out more at mindvalley.com forward slash Buddha badass. And if you go to that page, forward slash Buddha badass, there are some incredible offerings if you pre-order the book. And what I mean by incredible is this. For people who order five copies of the book all this week, and it's only for this week, you're going to get Mind Valley's most advanced and expensive program of the year completely free. The program is called Be Extraordinary at Work. It's a $4.99 program, and it's a six-week coaching program designed to accelerate your performance at work, make you a super performer, and get a raise. Or, if you're an entrepreneur, to double your business. That program is free. So check it out. And now, back to the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Mind Valley Podcast. 
it is still quarantine season. I'm stuck at home. By the way, sorry, I said stuck at home. And I've realized that so many of you guys have emailed me saying, Mission, stop using the word stuck. I get that. I am not complaining when I say the word stuck. One of my favorite songs is Stuck in the Middle with You. So I don't see stuck as a bad word. So forgive me if it sounds like that. But no, I'm enjoying being in this quarantine here, seeing my kids and being ultra productive and taking care of myself. But yes, I am in Malaysia where we have some of the strictest quarantine rules in the world. You're not even allowed to go and walk your dog. Only medical or groceries. That's it. And there are roadblocks and police checking people everywhere. 14 joggers on my street got arrested just a few weeks ago, but I'm doing well and I hope you are as well. Now, because of the unique circumstances in which we're in, I wanted to bring back our number one voted guest from all of 2019, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Joe, welcome to the Mind Valley podcast. Thank you, Vishen. I'm so happy to be with you. So Joe, for people who didn't hear that incredible interview we did last year, it was released, I believe, in September 2019. It was on the equation of healing. And I pushed you to give us a framework for mental and mind-body healing. And you are a brilliant mind. And that podcast did so well. Our audience voted it our best podcast of 2019. You received an award for it. We shipped you that big, heavy Mind Valley Award. Did you get that? Yes, thank you. That's awesome. And just really wanted to congratulate you, honor you, and welcome you back. Now, for those of you who have not heard of Dr. Joe Dispenza, you can read about him on drjoedispenza.com, D-R, Joe. Dispenza, that's spelled D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A. And Joe Dispenza is the author of so many remarkable books. I've read two of his books. His books include Becoming Supernatural, How Common People Are Doing the Uncommon, You Are the Placebo, Making Your Mind Matter, and Evolve Your Brain, The Science of Changing Your Mind. Now, the book that Joe and I were just talking that we want you to check out if you enjoy his ideas here is Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself how to lose your mind and create a new one. This book was published in 2012, became an Amazon bestseller, and it is a truly amazing book. And breaking the habit of being yourself is something that we really have to be conscious about during quarantine because we are not allowed to be ourselves, right? We have to cope, we have to adjust. And this book, the subtitle is How to Lose Your Mind and Create a New One. I believe never before have we been in a situation where we have so much time to dedicate to personal growth. And this is a book that I want to suggest that you guys read. And again, all of this is on drjoedispenza.com. Now, in this conversation, Joe and I are going to talk about healing, boosting immunity, and stay till the end because at the end of it, we're going to give you access to free meditations by Joe, completely free, on how to boost your immunity. So Joe, you ready to go? I'm ready. So first, Joe, give us an update. You have so many fans around the world. How are things going for you and your audience in this time? Well, I think one of the things that I value more than anything else is community. And in a time of quarantine, in a time of isolation or separation and distancing, if you live as materialist, you will experience separation from everyone and everything. And we are typically right now breaking from our routine. We're breaking the habit of being ourselves, as you said. We're not waking up every morning and doing the same things and going to the same places and seeing the same people at the exact same time. There's been a disruption in the known for us, and the whole entire world is experiencing this. And as you said, you can see this as a retreat from your life. 
And the fundamental question is, who do you want to be when you return back into your life? So I've refused to see this situation that would cause me to be victimized by it. In other words, if we allow something in our outer world to control how we feel and how we think, then I think on some level, we're victims to our environment. So I want to see it as an opportunity to connect to our community. And so we've done an online course for our advanced community. And when our research is applied to this particular situation, in other words, this is a great time for all of our work, our inward work, to matter the most. This is when it counts the most. Our research shows that when you open your heart and you begin to feel elevated emotions, if that heart begins to beat coherently, it produces an external field, an energy. And, and that energy is frequency, and frequency carries information. And if you could lay the thought on that frequency that somebody's life be enriched, that someone's body be healed, we have seen that other people's hearts, their autonomic nervous system starts to go into coherence. So we begin to connect in this elevated emotion called love. So I asked our community to every day to raise into a state of love and then, you know, did meditations for them to connect in consciousness. And so we did a great event in the time of separation to unify as a community. And I think that we can do that. We've seen the research to prove it. Something like 16,000 people showed up for your event live. Yeah, yeah, it was a big event. We called it intermission. In other words, intermission, like an inward journey, and then intermission, like a break from your life. And I want people really to understand we had such a momentum in the last couple of years and seeing the most incredible changes in people's biology. And we've measured so many great functional changes biologically and people were moving from one state of mind and body to another. And I didn't want to lose that momentum. I didn't want to lose that movement. So we've also had great testimony with people, you know, having tremendous healings, whether they're blind people are seeing or deaf people are hearing, and we're seeing stage four cancers going into remission. This is happening in the online event, or this is happening in your live events with a thousand people? Our live events. In our live yeah. events. Yeah. Your live events are amazing. Just to talk about this with our audience that's listening right now, because I want to make sure Mind Valley community is aware of what you do. It's a seven-day event. It sells out within like a week. A thousand people show up. I've had friends go for your event. I haven't personally been there yet, but I've had friends go and they have had remarkable experiences. And in seven days, people are getting off wheelchairs. People are healing, as you said, their eyesight. It's remarkable. If you asked Joe Dispenza a year or two ago, if I would ever believe I'd be seeing the changes that we're seeing in such a short amount of time, I probably would say, yeah, maybe once or twice. But it's like a four-minute mile. I mean, we've pierced through a veneer of consciousness. And just like the four-minute mile when, when it was broken and doctors said it was physiologically impossible to do it, 1,400 people since then have done it. So we're seeing this kind of sane shifting in consciousness or piercing through a layer of consciousness. And, and all of a sudden, we're seeing more and more people starting to do it. And I think evidence is the loudest voice. And if you can measure it scientifically and you see it in front of your eyes, I think it frees people to believe in it more, and that's what it takes to, to believe in yourself. What have been some of the most remarkable healings that you've seen happen in these seminars? There was a woman that is from Holland, and a very educated woman, in her late 30s or early 40s, and she was diagnosed with cancer. And within a very short amount of time, that cancer had spread through her entire body, and she did the typical medical treatments. She did chemotherapy, she had surgeries, 
you know, she did radiation, she did everything she could to contain the metastasis. And she got to the point where the doctors told her that there was nothing they could do for her. She was in the final stages and that to prepare for death. That was the recommendation. And she came to our event in Mallorca, the seven-day event in Mallorca, and struggled, really struggled the entire time. In our advanced week-long events, we do a type of healing called the coherence healing. And there's science behind the idea that it's not matter that's emitting field, an electromagnetic field. It's actually that field that is actually creating matter. So if you change information in the field, you literally can change matter. The matter is the hologram from singularity. We do this extensive study. We teach people how to do it. And we have seen just the most incredible things. And in order to do that, you have to understand the science of brain and heart coherence, and you have to practice and understand how to connect to the field. And by the end of the week of a week-long event, many people know how to get beyond themselves, and we have research to prove they can do it very quickly. So this woman was laying there amongst the group that was doing the healing, and this happens quite a bit. In one second, she said she felt a level of love that she had never felt in her entire life. And in one instant, she knew that she was healed. And so we didn't know that at the event in Mallorca, but she came two months later to the event in Cancun and stood out on the stage in front of over a thousand people, told the audience the story, and she has no cancer. I mean, zero cancer, no evidence of cancer in her body at all. That was an instantaneous reversal. That's amazing. Now, what do you think we can do at home? to heal our bodies, to improve our immunity. Not all of us are going to be able to go into this seminar. Of course, you have your immunity meditations, which we're going to give out at the end of this. But what are the thought processes, the things that we can start embodying and living in quarantine right now and for the rest of our lives to start healing? Yeah. And this is a really great conversation because in order for us to do that, we have to just understand a little bit more of the science behind how we interact with our environment. So if you have a perception in your outer environment of some type of danger or threat, the reaction or the response to that stimulation begins to activate the fight or flight nervous system. You're mobilizing energy to prepare yourself for that danger. And when the body perceives that danger and it's a big threat, it doesn't hold back on the amount of energy it's deciding to use. It goes all in. So for the short term, that's fine. But if you keep doing it over and over again, you keep knocking your brain and body out of balance. And that's what stress is. And the repetition of that, keep knocking the body out of balance, begins to weaken the organism. So when a person is perceiving danger, threatening their outer world, and they're turning on those adrenal hormones, they're putting all their energy for that threat in their outer world. There's no energy in their inner world for repair, for growth. So a person who's constantly feeling fear because they believe something out there is going to get them, then they're more susceptible to things in their outer environment and their immune system is compromised. So they actually have more of a propensity for infections, for foreign agents or invaders, because now their body is reacting and constantly responding to the outer world. Our research shows that if you trade those emotions of fear, of worry, of anxiety, of any vigilance, and you can open your heart, and I know that that doesn't seem natural or normal during these times, 
but if not now, when? And if you can begin to feel gratitude and appreciation and settle your body into the present moment, four days of feeling an elevated emotion would actually strengthen your immune system by about 50%. We've done the research to show that once energy makes it into your heart, the body begins to, it's so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the emotion you're feeling by thought alone and some emotion you would feel from some reaction in your environment. Your body in that state is beginning to believe it's safe enough to relax into the present moment. And so when that occurs, the immune system begins to upregulate and it begins to make these antibodies. And those antibodies are the body's natural defense against bacteria and viruses. They're the shields that protect the body from foreign invaders. And four days of doing that, imagine if you practice doing that every single day. I think by working with your body and elevating your emotional state, you could literally become more resistant or more in a state of order, independent of your outer environment. So what you're saying is that we should be listening to what governments are saying, to what medical doctors are saying, respecting the guidelines, being in isolation, making sure that we're practicing social distancing. But at the same time, we cannot let fear grip us because fear reduces our immunity. But if we're able to move to a state of gratitude, appreciation, even through, say, the practice of a morning gratitude ritual, right, during meditation, or thinking about what you're grateful for before going to sleep, in four days, your immunity goes up 50%, and you have studied this and measured it. Yes. In order for that to happen, you're actually sending a signal, new information to your immune system to begin to become prosperous, to begin to grow, to begin to repair, to begin to gain more energy. And so the army, the inner army becomes more abundant, it becomes more awakened, it becomes more alive. And that's when energy makes it into our heart and we feel more whole. And that's when we begin to reset the baseline of anxiety in our brain and body. The immune system begins to really do its natural job. So we know that being able to bring in these positive feelings can boost our immune system. But how do we go further? Like, how can we actually get to a level where we can start seeing injuries or illnesses we've had for a long time start subsiding? Well, the answer is it could happen at any time. It's very difficult to predict when it's going to happen or how it's going to happen because that would be known. It has to happen in the unknown moment. So there is no relative time, but I will tell you that you'd have to understand a little bit more about how the body works, not completely, but to get a better understanding, say, of gene expression, right? So most people have a reaction to something in their outer world. And when they have an event that has a strong emotional charge, the change in their internal chemistry causes them to narrow their focus on the cause of it. And the brain takes a, a snapshot, and that's called a memory. And so the brain is kind of a record of past memories, and the body emotionally feels those memories. And so many times the signal emotionally from the event begins to select a gene that begins to downregulate. And every time the person thinks about the past event over and over again, they're producing the same chemistry in their brain and body. And stimulus and response, thought and feeling, image and emotion is conditioning the body into the past. So it begins to program the gene 
and the gene starts to make cheaper proteins. It downregulates and enzymes and hormones and the body starts moving further out of balance. So the person then thinks neurologically within the memory of that experience and feels chemically within those emotions and how they think and feel is their state of being. So many times the gene starts to be activated after a strong emotional event. So then how could we then begin to change that gene expression? So it would make sense then if you could feel an elevated emotion and you could combine a coherent brain, and there's a science to doing that, and we know how to teach people how to do that, with an elevated emotion and combine those two. And you can teach people how to be so present that they can begin to see a new future or imagine a new future. There comes a moment that if they did it properly, if they started feeling the emotion of that event before it took place. In other words, you can't wait for your healing to feel wholeness. You can't wait for some type of physical change to feel gratitude. That's living in separation or lack. That's waiting for something out there to tell you you're changed in order for you to feel that kind of separation or emptiness taken away. But if you start to feel the emotion, the stronger the emotion you feel from the inner event, the more you're going to pay attention to the picture in your mind. In a sense now, you're changing your brain and body from living in the past present reality to living in a future present reality. In other words, the stronger the emotion you feel, if the emotion of ecstasy or bliss or freedom is greater than the quotient of betrayal or shock or pain from the past, now the body is literally no longer in the past, it's in the new future. And the stronger the emotion you feel, instead of paying attention to the picture in your outer world, if you're truly in a state of meditation, your body is so objective that it's believing that that future event is happening in the present moment because you're feeling the emotion of that event. And that begins to select and instruct new genes. And genes make proteins. And proteins are responsible for the structure and function of your body. And the expression of protein becomes the expression of life. And we have seen people have an inner event that transforms them to such a degree that all of the shock and betrayal that happened in their past, they look back at their entire past and they say, I don't want to change anything about my past because it brought me to this moment. I understand why I had to go through all of that to finally feel this. It was worth it. And their betrayers, their abusers, they have nothing but compassion and love for them. They're seeing it from a different level of consciousness, not from the same emotion. And the memory without the emotional charge is wisdom. And the person now no longer is living in the past. And so that's what we want people to experience, that inner event is so real that it replaces the circuitry, the gene expression of the past into a new program of the future. And the person will say to you, I know I'm healed. Many times they say that. That's amazing. Now, I love that at a higher theoretical level, but let's go deeper. Let's give a practice, okay, that someone at home could try doing. I want to actually volunteer myself as a subject here. So let's say I'm trying to heal an injury. So I have a muscle atrophy in my leg. So because of that, on my left leg, there's a muscle that has atrophied from years of not being able to be used because my brain somehow doesn't connect with that muscle. And it's caused my knee to be very wobbly. So I can twist and hurt my knee really easily. 
And at least once every year, something happens to my knee and it just gets really painful. And because of that, I cannot take part in competitive sports as much as I'd like to. So that is my situation. And I'm sure other people out there who are listening might have their situation. What is a practice that I could put in to slowly start, as you said, change the physical structure of my body by recognizing that matter is the hologram, right? What could I do to start accelerating the healing of this particular situation? I don't know which way to go with this, but I'll start with the most basic level because I think it would make the most sense to people. And and there's different degrees of explanation as we get closer to it happening in a shorter amount of time. In other words, it becomes less of something you do, it's something that happens to you as you get closer to that moment. So we're looking at a musculoskeletal condition here. If you take a person and you have them close their eyes and mentally rehearse doing bicep curls in their mind, and they come for one hour a day into a clinic, and you add the emotional component of stronger, harder, more intense, and they practice that with their eyes closed, never lifting a weight. At the end of two weeks, their muscle strength increases by 13.5%. Now, wait, one hour a day, visualizing it for an hour a day, doing bicep curls. Okay. So that means then when we're truly present and we add an emotional component, if you can do it in the present moment and stay present and repeat it over and over again, When the brain is in the present moment, it will not know the difference between the real-life event of contracting your muscles and doing it in your mind. And your brain will begin to look like you've been doing it all along, and you begin to activate new circuits in your brain. And if you repeat it, you fire and wire it, more circuits begins to create a neurological network, a new level of mind. So the research shows then that people who never played the piano before, you can divide them into two categories. And you can do a brain scan on one group of people and then set them in front of a piano and teach them one-handed scales and chords. And they come for two hours a day and they practice those scales and chords for five days. At the end of five days, they rescan their brain and lo and behold, they grow new circuits on the opposite side of the brain. No magic there. You learn something new. Learning is making new synaptic connections. You get some instruction. You got to get your body involved. You get your body involved, you're going to have a new experience. Experience enriches the brain. Pay attention to what you're doing. You got to pay attention and stay present and repeat it over and over again, firing and wiring. You're going to assemble new neural architecture. We can take another group of people, have them close their eyes and mentally rehearse playing those scales and chords for two hours a day for five days. Scan their brain before and scan their brain after. At the end of five days, they grow the same amount of circuits in their brain as the people who were physically doing it. Now, what that means is if you take those people and you set them in front of the piano without ever lifting a finger, they can play those scales and chords. Why? Because they prime their brain for a future behavior. So if you truly wanted to change some aspect of yourself, then you would have to ask yourself, Who do I want to be when I open my eyes? Now, the act of answering that question is going to turn on your frontal lobe, and the frontal lobe has connections to all other parts of the brain. 
And it's interested in answering that question because it is the creative center. So as it begins to scan the landscape of the brain, it can only gather information from things you've intellectually learned or things you've experienced in your life. And it begins to associate those different memories with the question. And when you get enough networks of neurons firing in your brain, you see an image or a picture. That's intention. And then as you begin to live and rehearse who you're going to be, you begin to do that exact same thing. You begin to install neurological hardware in your brain. Repeat it, it becomes a software program, and you begin to behave that way. Now the brain is primed. It's no longer a record of the past. It's a map to the future. Now the person can feel the emotions of their future. You're going to see a person move into a different state of being, and they're going to have all kinds of biological changes. And that begins to change their biology every single day. Some people do it faster, some people do it slower. But your muscle will get stronger, and that's for certain. You will make more connections between your brain and that muscle, that's for certain. And then if you did specific physical exercises, while you practice the mental rehearsal, the physical demonstration of contracting those muscles begins to make more connections because of the experience. So now you're hitting it from both ends. Amazing. Amazing. Now, most people who are listening have a meditation practice. Okay. I bet all of you who are listening here meditate for at least 15 minutes to an hour every single day. Now, how could we take what you're saying and put it within our meditation practice so that if we have an ailment, in my case, it's my knee. For other people out there, it may be a bad back. It may be, I mean, it could be someone suffering from COVID and having their immunity and their lungs compromised. What would we put into our daily practice so we can help our body heal? Let me just say that the majority of the thoughts that we think every single day are the same thoughts as we thought yesterday. In fact, 90% of them are. And the same thoughts leading to the same choices, the same choices leading to the same behaviors, the same behaviors creating the same experiences, and the same experiences producing the same feelings and emotions begins to cause our biology to become very similar, very same. And the repetition of that and firing and wiring then creates automatic programs in the brain and body. And 95% of who we are is a state of unconscious or subconscious programs where we've done something so many times that the body now can actually do it automatically without the conscious mind. It's a state of unconscious creation. It's our beliefs that are just persistent, lingering at the back of our mind, creating our current reality. Exactly. So then if you truly wanted to change and you understood that your personality creates your personal reality, and your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And the present personality who's listening to this call has created the present personal reality called their life. That means if they wanted to create a new personal reality, a new life, they would have to begin to change their personality. They'd have to change themselves. And most people then try to create a new personal reality as the same personality. It doesn't work. So then... If you're sitting in your meditation and you ask yourself the question, who do I want to be when I open my eyes? What is the greatest expression of myself? And you said, okay, let me remind myself of how I no longer want to think. You know, the thoughts like, whatever, it's too hard, I'll never change, I'll never get what I want. Let me become so conscious of those unconscious thoughts that I wouldn't let that thought slip by 
my awareness today unnoticed by me and program my autonomic nervous system in a specific outcome. And then if you said, how would I want to speak today? How do I want to act? How do I want to behave? And you reminded yourself how you weren't going to act and how you weren't going to behave. And you became conscious of those unconscious habits to such a degree you wouldn't go unconscious and behave in the same way. That's when you're no longer the program now, your consciousness observing the program. And if you said, when does my energy drop? When, what do I feel when I feel those typical familiar emotions? What are they? Let me name them just so I'm so aware of them that when my energy drops, I can catch myself in that moment and not return back to the same familiar emotions and cause my body to believe it's back in the past. And we can't see a new future from the past. So that process then is what I call getting beyond the old self. And it's a disentangling from the program. The word meditation means to become familiar with. So as you sit there and become familiar with those states of mind and body, you begin to objectify your subjective self. Now, you are becoming so aware of the unconscious programs, you won't go unconscious. And that's the first step to change. And then what if you said, what thoughts do I want to fire and wire to my brain? What thoughts do I want to put my attention behind? and begin to install the new circuitry, the new hardware. And if I keep my attention on it and I fire and wire those thoughts, it's going to begin to become a software program, and that's going to be the new voice in my head. That's going to be the voice that's telling me, the new program that you can, that it is possible. And then if you said, how am I going to act in my day with my children today, in relationships with everybody? What does honor look like? What does nobility look like? What does respect look like? What does reverence look like for life? How can I be more compassionate? And you began to think about how you were going to behave in that day. If you did it properly, just like those piano players, just like those muscle exercisers, you would begin to install more neurological hardware in your brain. And if you kept doing it, it would become the software program and you, as I said, would behave that way. And then bringing on that elevated emotion then and teaching your body what your future feels like before it's happened and understanding that the body's so objective that it doesn't know the difference between the real life experience and the experience you create by emotion. That means then if the environment signals the gene and the end product of the experience in the environment is an emotion, you could signal the gene ahead of the environment if you feel this emotion. And if you understand that, you would assign meaning to it and you wouldn't get up until you felt it. Now, I would say then if you kept practicing this, you would begin to neurochemically condition your mind and body into a new state of being. And that would begin to become more familiar to you. And you would begin to think differently, begin to act differently, and you would begin to feel differently. And that's a new personality. And many people who heal in this work, when they get on the stage and we say, well, where did it go? Where did the cancer go? Where did the Parkinson's go? And they say, hey, I think it belongs in the old personality. I'm somebody else. And so there's a change in biology and chemistry as a result of it. I love this. I love this. So, so let me try to break it down, okay, for people who are listening. This is what I understood. And tell me if I'm correct. Tell me if you would refine it. So the first thing you said is the act of meditation itself is a form of breaking the pattern because we're becoming aware of the thoughts which are going through our head. We are able to analyze, to see the thought. There's a concept in meditation I call the two mind effect. And it's almost as if you split and there is an observer and then there is the thoughts in your head. And you are no longer the thoughts. You are the observer observing the thoughts. Oh, I'm still angry with so-and-so. Oh, you know, I'm feeling 
miserable about this aspect of my life. But you are not judging the thoughts. You're simply observing them. So that is one of the things that happens during meditation. You are splitting yourself into observer and then thinker, right? But here's the fundamental question. Who's doing the observing? Right. That's who you and I are when we're not in the program. That's awareness. And it takes energy to do that because when there is a change in awareness, there's a change in consciousness. And when you have a change in consciousness, there's a change in energy. And it requires us coming out of our resting state. So then when we become so familiar with it that we won't go unconscious, we've mastered some aspect of our past, our old personality. Exactly. So we've become the observer of our own thoughts and not unconscious in our thoughts. We're now conscious of our thoughts. Now, step number two is we are choosing to change our thoughts. If we have an illness, we are feeling and seeing our body in radiant health. Would this be an accurate way of describing step number two? Yes. As long as you mastered the thoughts, behaviors, and emotions of the past and began to become familiar with new thoughts, new behaviors, new emotions. In other words, you can't say I had a great meditation, get up and feel all holy and connected, but you haven't handled your behavior when you're driving on the freeway or when you're in traffic or when you're with your kids. You just fell from grace. You just disconnected from the new personality and you're back to the old personality. And if you say, oh my God, it's that person or that circumstance in my life that's making me feel and think this way, then we're back to being victims in our lives, saying that that's what's controlling my feelings and thoughts. So step two, you're implanting that new thought, the new vision, the new set of beliefs. But then you also mentioned there's a step three where you are projecting into the future. You are seeing how you're interacting with your friends, your family, your kids, your coworkers, how you're driving and interacting with other people in traffic, to use your earlier example you're projecting into the future. And that's step three. Now let's go back to step two and step three. Do you believe in creative visualization? Is that a a good approach? Well, mental rehearsal is creative visualization. If you're play sports, if you're a dancer, if you're a gymnast, if you're an actor, if you're an attorney, you have to rehearse both mentally and physically to get really good at what you do. And I mean, people do it all the time. People who are musicians are always playing a song in their mind. What are they doing? They're creating new circuitry. I mean, you're doing martial arts in your mind. You're priming your brain and body to do it more naturally, more easily. And so we already know how to do this. It's just that the thing is, is that we have to do it so well that when we become so familiar with this new state that no person, no circumstance, no condition in our life would move us from the state of being. That's when now we're greater than our environment, we're greater than the addictions emotionally and habituations in the body, and we're greater than linear time, the predictable future and the familiar past. We want to be able to sustain it and become it. That's the key. Have you ever heard of the Silva method? Yes, yes, a long time ago. Yeah, so the Silva method is one of the most powerful new creative visualization models I've seen. Dr. O. Carl Simonton of the Simonton Research Center, he adapted it. He called it imagery therapy. What he found is that patients who'd been given 12 months to live, he was able to extend that to 24.4 months, right? That's almost double the survival rate. And there were several patients in his study who, using the Silva method techniques, were able to put their cancer completely in remission. Now, it was a smaller percentage, like I think less than 5%, but overall, it was still interesting to double the survival rate of these patients. But yeah, silver method has been a really effective tool. I was just curious if there are other specific ways of doing it that you're familiar with or any nuances that you want to suggest that our listeners follow. 
meditation, number one, means to become familiar with. But transformation and change means, as I said, to be greater than your environment. And what is your environment made of? Objects, things, people, places. To be greater than your body, the habituations and emotional conditioning, and to be greater than time. So meditation, then, is a great way to close your eyes and disconnect from your outer world. And whether you play music or where earphones disconnect from your known outer environment by not hearing distractions and sounds and, and to sit your body down and so that it's not eating and tasting and smelling and experiencing and feeling and not think about what's going to happen on your schedule in the future and not keep remembering what happened to you in the past. Keep working for the sweet spot of the generous present moment. By doing this and practicing disconnecting from your body, your environment and time, people can begin to focus on their inner world. And when they do that properly, we now know that as you begin to reduce the stimulation, your brainwaves begin to slow down. And the purpose of meditation is to get beyond the analytical mind. And what separates the conscious mind from the subconscious mind is that analytical mind. And learning how to slow your brainwaves down into slower frequencies begins to open the door between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. And now you can rewrite a new program. Now you can rehearse a new track. Now you can record a new future. And you begin to program your subconscious to become more naturally who you want to be. Right. And that you're reducing your brainwaves to alpha, theta level frequency, and then using practices like creative visualization or mental programming to put in new grooves. Exactly. And we have some great research in the last couple of years to show that students, when they do this properly, when they shut down most of the function in their thinking neocortex, they're disconnecting from the identity, the memory bank of the known self, the knowledge and experience that's the autobiographical you and thinking neocortex, lights go out there. And when we see lights going out in this part of the brain in theta, and the brain moves outside of normal theta, something really amazing happens. We could actually predict that there's going to be a very large arousal in the nervous system. And arousals are usually created by the outer environment, by some stimulation, whether it's fear, whether it's pain and suffering, whether it's anxiety. There's something that's stimulating us in the outer environment. The aggression is causing us to become aroused, but this arousal is like ecstasy. This arousal is like bliss. And we see the brain go into these very, very high, extremely high gamma brainwave patterns, 200 to 300 to 400 times outside of normal. And the person is having an elegant moment. They're connecting to energy and their autonomic nervous system, that part of the brain that's automatically controlling all the systems and coordinating all the systems and cells and tissues in your body is getting a very organized coherent frequency, a very fast frequency, and it's sending very fast impulses to the cells, and cells get a biological upgrade. And we see people in one instant have a moment and have a transformation in their biology, they get an upgrade. That's when they're going to the gamma frequency? Yes. So they're going down to alpha, theta, and they're shooting all the way up to gamma, which is what, over 22 cycles per second? Yes, but we're talking way, way higher than that. And, and the amount of energy in their brain is extremely high. What's causing that leap to gamma? When you're in theta, you're suggestible to information. And normally when you're looking in the television and it's late night and you're slowing down, you're getting tired and the late night fright commercials come on and you're not thinking and analyzing and you're programming information into you. 
that you need something in your outer world to change your inner world. You're limited. You can't do it yourself. But when we dial down the thinking neocortex and you learn how to activate a latent system in your brain, our research shows that there's a very, very high amount of energy in the area right around the pineal gland in the brain. The pineal gland is like the brain's radio receiver. And now the person is connecting to information, but that information isn't coming from their senses. That information is actually coming from frequency because frequency carries information. And the pineal gland acts as a transducer. It begins to take that frequency just like a TV antenna and turn it into profound visual imagery. And the person has a very profound inner event, a transcendental moment that seems more real than anything they've ever experienced in their life. They're having full-on sensory experience without their senses. The third eye, whatever, an inner vision begins to awaken them to who they really are. And that energy is an arousal and it causes them to become more conscious. Now, are you seeing that these moments, right, can be induced reliably or are these moments more spontaneous and we can't really control them? Well, yes and no. So when you see that kind of arousal, the person having that inner event, there is a, an upgrade you ask them about that subjective experience and they'll tell you a very important message. The message is something outside of what they've ever experienced before. And so when we look at a brain scan, many times we'll start seeing specific things starting to happen and we can say, she's going to pop, she's going to go. We can actually know like, oh, that's just like the last one that happened. And then all of a sudden we're like, you see the person, it's hilarious. They're filled with light. They're filled with energy. And they don't want the moment to end. They want to stay in it. And so we can predict it many times. And when we did our last measurements at Palm Springs, California, at our last event before the, the global challenge here, it was in February, we had 10 people at a time having their brain scanned during our week-long event. And on the average, about two to three people were having very similar brain patterns just like that. And the area in the brain called Brodmann's Area 30 is the area responsible for very profound long-term memories that are created from the emotions of ecstasy, bliss, connection, love, joy, freedom. They're having a positive trauma to their nervous system that's changing them. So if two or three people out of 1,000 or 1,100 people are having that experience, if we extrapolate out, to the entire audience, that means that two or 300 people in the audience are having similar experiences as the scope of just 10 people that we were studying. That's amazing. And did you figure out a way to activate that reliably? We have a meditation called the pineal gland meditation, and it's the exact process of activating the latent system. And we're getting really good at it now. I mean, we had scientists at our event in um, Springs, as I said, and some of these empirical scientists just could not believe what they were seeing. They just were, were shocked. Is the pineal gland meditation, I know you're going to give us a couple of meditations that our audience can listen to. Is the pineal gland meditation one of those? No, the, the pineal gland meditation, I would recommend before anybody does the pineal gland meditation to really study all the components of why it's so important to activate it so they can, again, assign meaning to it. So read Becoming Supernatural if you want to. There's two chapters in there that are really important. One's to prepare you for the pineal gland, talking about what the dimensional experience looks like and what dimensions are quantumly, and then what takes frequency and energy and connects it to our biology, electromagnetism to our biology, and it's the pineal gland. So I go through the research and the understanding of 
tiny crystals in the pineal gland that act as superconductors of energy and frequency. And there's a model there. So then when people understand the model, then when they do the pineal gland meditation, they'll know what to do more and why to do it. And the how gets easier. So, But how would one, because I know people are going to be wondering now, how do they access the pineal gland meditation? Reading Becoming Supernatural is one thing. Yeah. And then so there's a meditation that goes along with that chapter in the book. You can order the meditation after you read the chapter, and it's specifically connected to that chapter in the book. Amazing. Now, at the start of this podcast, we promise you that we would make available for you some free meditations from Dr. Joe Dispenza for boosting your immunity. We want to give this out as a service to the world. Now, to get this meditation, simply go to mindvalley.com forward slash Joe. I repeat, mindvalley.com forward slash Joe, and all the information is right over there. Thank you, Joe. No, thank you. It's always great talking to you. You too. And thank you everyone for listening. I will see you next week on the Mind Valley Podcast. And if you enjoyed this interview, go ahead and leave us a review. Remember, your reviews matter. That is how Joe was recognized last year as our best guest. And I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. And learn more about Joe on Dr. Joe Dispenza. That's D-I-S-P-E-N-Z-A dot com. Thank you. Lakiani, and this is the Mind Valley Podcast. If you like the Mind Valley Podcast, take the next step. Become a Mind Valley member. Imagine being coached daily by the greatest teachers on the planet. How quickly would you transform your health, your mindset, your body? your relationships? How quickly would you double the size of your company? How quickly would you see your career grow? How quickly would you eliminate any limiting belief that's holding you back and manifest a life that you once thought beyond your dreams? When you become a member, you don't just get access to the greatest education in the world. You become part of a community of 150,000 of the most incredible people dedicated to personal growth. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash now to get started.